0: I want to make a statement, if I can, this morning. The best thing that you can do as a dad is be a son. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I don't know whether that translates to you. I don't know whether you're like, oh, that's I, ooh, that's a bit backwards. I didn't think we were supposed to like stay, you know, like, like, like not grow up, you know, all of those things. I don't know what goes through your mind when I say a statement like that, that the best thing you can do as a dad is to be a son. But I want to read a scripture for you today. It's out of Galatians. It's um, written by the Apostle Paul. And he says this, uh, and you know, I I felt like being Father's Day, I'd move forward in my maturity. So it's in NIV this morning. There you go. Every scripture today that I will reference is from the NIV. It's a little gift to Pastor Keith this morning. Uh, My my spiritual father who I I honour and I just love you so much. Thank you for everything you do in my life. But Galatians 4 says this, this is to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. Just say something for me a second. Just say, I am no longer a slave. That's good. That's good. That should be your Monday morning declaration. Whatever in your life you feel that you can't get past, we all have these things in our life that we just feel like it doesn't matter how much I work on this, I just, ah, can't, I can't seem to get past it. We feel as if we're, we're just, ah, it's like I'm trapped, I'm stuck, I can't get past it. Your declaration is, I am no longer a slave. And then, and then you can just put next to that whatever it is. Now here's where, here's where we don't live by our feelings because you might not feel free. That's why we feel with faith, because you can not feel free, but still believe what the Word of God says about you, which is you are. So you can hold the tension of, I don't feel it, but I am, because I'm no longer a slave to it. When He died on the cross, He broke that power of sin over my life. So so I'm not a slave to that. So even though I feel stuck, I'm not. If you, don't, if, you, if you don't engage your feelings, if you pretend you're not going to feel it, then you actually are lying to yourself about the reality of your situation. And it might actually be one of the reasons you can't begin to, to, to journey through that with Jesus because you aren't willing to bring him into the reality of where you're actually at. You pretend you're not feeling it even though you totally are feeling it and you're not willing to bring that feeling to your father. Where was I up to? You are no longer a slave but God's child. This is a defining component of your identity. In fact, salvation, the moment of salvation, is more a shift in your identity than anything else. Because it is a point that we are completely born again. Every father in this place, I'm sure you remember the moment, not of your birth, of your child's birth. It is, it is a life-defining moment, right? Because without a child, we're not a parent. This whole concept of Father's Day, I mean, I love it. It's like my, fa- my favourite day of the year, particularly when, when my kids get so overexcited that they get to the point of trying to kill each other in the morning. And it's like the, the, the peaceful, you know, beautiful morning that I asked them for. In their exuberance, they somehow fell over the line you know, into like chaos. I don't know if anyone else's family is like that, but like you just got to smile at them because they don't mean it. They're just, they're so exuberantly excited that they just bang into each other. And, um, and, and self-implode. But, but that moment, that birth, that is the beginning. That is the moment where their identity is defined as a child. They are a well born in our family. They're, the very definition of who they are occurs in that moment of birth. This is no different when we step into the relationship with Jesus on offer through the good news of the gospel It says in that moment, the moment we believe in Jesus, we are born again. Every single thing that attached itself to who you thought you were, your life, every minuscule component is redefined in that moment. You are now a child of God. It is the central, it is the deepest, it is the core, it is the the redefining factor of your entire identity moving forward. You're a child of God. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. So no matter what else you feel or you think or even your behaviours that come from those things, they're more a, 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 a shadow, if you will, of the previous you rather than the expression of who you really are now, which is a child of God. And since you're His child, God has made you also and air, what a powerful scripture! You know, I, I do. I remember the moment that Addie was born, I remember the moment when all of my children were born. Um, beautiful, exciting, each of them a little bit unique. Um, I remember that we, uh, we ended up having a, a, a cesarean section. I did check with my wife if I was allowed to share this story, um, but uh, Addison was, uh, you know, he was stubborn. And not much has changed, but he, he, was, he, was, he was a crossways, which in baby talk is a transverse. Uh, uh, just getting the corrections. From, Addy was, the, he was upside down. He was upside down. Some of that still remains. Um, <laughs> but he was upside down. And so uh, doctors were like, it's a cesarean section. And, uh, and so we knew that a little bit in advance. So we, we had a beautiful evening together the night before. We went out for dinner. Last little moment before we knew our world was going to be totally transformed. Uh, we went out to dinner, and then I would love to say we had a sleep in, but it wasn't really a sleep in because we were excited, and we went to the hospital. And we went in, and it was about around about twelve o'clock that we were admitted into the theatre. Um, and and I remember that moment where they they gave Addison, they brought him around the curtain. For those of you that have had that experience, they brought him around the curtain, and there. In that moment, I went from just being uh, uh, Nate, you know, uh, uh, an adult to some degree, (laughs) to realising that I had suddenly shifted. And there's this weird tension. I don't know if you remember the tension of, of, and maybe you weren't like this. Maybe you felt as though you were like uh, so fully prepared and you knew everything that you needed to do to raise a child. Um, I'm sure that faded after about uh, hour one. Um, but it's this balance of utter elation. like It is the, just the most mind-blowing experience to hold in your hands, this, this child that is you, and, and yet at the same time, there's this overwhelming sense of I am so ill-equipped to, to raise, to look after, to care for, to provide for. I mean, and, and it's this odd tension in you I don't know if you remember, but for me, it was like it was like this. They they occurred at exactly the same time, and it's 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 disorienting in you because you're not sure where where to land. Being pumped beyond measure for my firstborn, and yet at the same time being so aware of my lack of experience and knowledge of to what to do. It doesn't matter how many prenatal classes you go to. We didn't do any. Um, probably wasn't a great doctor, you know, might have helped. Um, But, you know, you live and you learn, right? I hope so. Hey, how good is it to have Jim back with us? Come on, he's on one foot, but he's in the house of God. Come on, some of you let less keep you out of the house. All right. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I remember in that moment immediately feeling this weight of needing to grow up, right? Like I couldn't just be, uh, I don't know how I would have described myself prior to that, but now I needed to be a dad. Before I could just be an adult with no real responsibilities, right? But, but then it was like, I'm a, I'm a parent. I have some responsibilities, you know, some. But now there was a lot more. And this is a strange concept in life, this idea of growing up. I don't know if you remember the first time your parents kind of looked at you and went, oh, grow up. That sounded all too real right there coming out of my mouth. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if you've said it to your kids at any point in time in their life. Like you're just like, oh, grow up. And we are, we are somehow instilled in us is this desire both for ourselves to grow up, but also to help our kids to grow up because somehow growing up seems to be the goal. That growing up seems to be the goal in this life. Growing up to what is probably a great question to ask ourselves. And what are we letting go of in an effort to grow up? What do we think it looks like to grow up? Because there is a big difference between going from a child, say to an adult, to going from a boy to a man or a girl to to a woman. There's a big difference in that as opposed to the idea of a son to a father. You see, if we look at the idea of going from, say, a child to an adult, what we probably think of is, well, there's some physical change. I mean, we we grow up, literally. We we should get taller. Um, Hopefully, the idea would be that we develop some sense of emotional maturity in our lives, that we aren't just uh, 40 in age or 50 in age, uh, but that we have worked on some of the emotional maturity in our lives, um, that, that is a great component of growing up. Or, or maybe it's just in the accumulation of knowledge, of skills, right? Uh, like... We now know how to manage components of our life. We have developed wisdom around managing our, our finances or our diet or our thought life or these key components of our life that we maybe when we were a child we had no idea about and really no need to worry about. But as we have gotten older, as we've grown up, we've realized the value and the necessity of growing. Up in these areas. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13:11. He says, "When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away, or I put the ways of childhood behind me." So we have to understand that even in Scripture, there is this encouragement to go from boy to man. Girl to woman. If you're a young person in this place, I would encourage you to engage in the journey with your parents or, or a, a trusted adult in your life of what it looks like to grow up. Parents, there should be an intentionality in our lives to help shape our young people so that they grow not just physically but emotionally and mentally, that we would have well rounded young people becoming adults in this world. Okay? There is an intentionality required in that to help our sons and our daughters to put away childish things, to stop thinking the way they did when they were a child, like get, 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 mine, mine, mine. At some point, the thinking of a three-year-old needs to shift out of your life. The selfishness of a child needs to leave your life. There are some things that the emotional maturity, the, the way in which you break down emotionally over really little things probably needs some growing up in your life. But there is a difference between that and going from a son to a father or from a daughter to a mother. Because although we should stop being a child, we actually never stop being a son. Although we should stop being a little girl, we never stop being a daughter. We start as a son, just like we might have started as a boy. But even when we become a man or a dad, we still remain a son. And you know, there's a beauty in this. Many of us would know the beauty of this, right? The, the capacity that as a son who is now a man, you know, we can, we can call up dad on the phone still. Right? We can be like, how do I do, how do I like change that thing in the car that, you know, like I still can't quite figure out. I call Scotty and um, he sorts it out for me, right? Or like money advice, like when we, when we start to buy our own home or, or the things that occur at certain stages of our life, the beauty of always being a son is knowing that I can always call dad. There's a beauty in this. And for some of us, we may not have experienced that necessarily, but we have to allow the power of what Paul is saying to encourage us in the same way. All right? Paul states emphatically that you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You aren't just the physical you. And you see, the The reality is that for for many of us in this place, we either never experience the beauty of being a son and having a physical dad that we could call up, or being a daughter and having a physical mum that we could call up. We may never experience that beauty. Or maybe for you it's ended prematurely earlier than what you would have desired. But this is where the truth that we aren't just physical, but actually that at its core we are spiritual, and therefore, the power that, that spiritually we are sons and daughters of God begins to, to, to show itself as significant, right? Because for God to be our Father, it means that He is always our Father. It means that He isn't going to, to, to leave us earlier than we want. He's not going to, to walk away uh, before uh, we, we want. He's always going to be available. And if we allow ourselves, and this is, this is so key, because we can, we can mix up growing up and we can put in that box of growing up being a son, being a daughter. And so we think that at some point in our life we have to move away from all of what that allows us to need, all that that allows us to be positioned to receive. When we, when we think we need to leave being a son, we stop calling dad. When we think we need to leave being a daughter, we stop seeing the wisdom, the value that mom might still hold in our lives. And so if we allow ourselves to see ourselves as sons and daughters of God, we actually position ourselves to access the beauty of still being a son and daughter with a father in heaven. You know, thinking thinking around this I began to write down some stuff, you know, what does it mean for me to be God's son? What does it give me access to? What does it open me up if I allow myself to be a son in that relationship? What have I positioned myself to receive? First at the top of the list that allows me to be loved. It allows me to be loved in an unconditional love, to be accepted, to realize I'm wanted, to be celebrated over, to be protected, to be known, to be provided for. It positions me to know that I can go somewhere to get answers, to get wisdom, to ask the questions that I don't know the answers to, to get help when I need it, guidance when I need it, to know that I'm cared for and cared about. It's beautiful to be a son. So what does it mean for God to be my father? Because for some of us, we had maybe not the best examples, maybe no examples. So you're not even really sure what does it mean to be a father. And now maybe you've got your own child and you're like, I feel so inadequate in this space. It's what I've written down here when I start to think about what does it mean for me to God, for God to be my father? It means that he's going to provide for me. He's going to protect me. He actually loves to give Good gifts to me? Will I let him? Will I, will I allow myself to be a son or a daughter and actually receive the good gifts from my father? Or do I think that in the same way I need to grow up physically, I need to grow up out of that and somehow I'll mature in my relationship with Jesus, that now I'm no longer a son and daughter. Oh, I'm so past that. Now I'm all mature, Nate, in the faith. You know? And, 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 and what we do in that point is we immediately re- remove ourselves from everything that comes with God being our Father. It means I can trust Him, that He's always going to be there, that He loves me so much, that He's committed to raising me. He's committed to me maturing in my faith. He's committed to me becoming like Jesus and helping me to do that. He's committed to adjusting me and correcting me so that I, I am raised as his son into the likeness of Christ Jesus. He knows everything about me. He's been there every moment, every single second of my life. He knows every thought, every hair on my head. He knows me. He'll guide, he'll speak, he'll correct, he'll discipline and he'll lead me. In fact, he has everything I need. Wisdom, knowledge, hope, peace, joy, strength, patience. Not only that, but he's the boss. He's got all authority on heaven and earth. My dad has the keys. I don't know if you grew up with a dad that had a bit of authority in some arena. Uh, Growing up, my my stepdad, Ron, he uh, was high up in a particular company. I can't remember at the time what it was. It went through a few name changes, but at that point in time, uh, I was about 15, 16, I think, and his company, uh, they were the major sponsor for the, um, what is the Central Coast Mariners Boo Stadium, and, um, <clears throat> and it was great, so because he was the, the, like, his company was, like, the major sponsor of the stadium, they were, like, the name sponsor, you know how we have McDonald Jones Stadium, the greatest sports fortress in our city, <laughs> amen, uh, go the Knights Finals, here we go, Um that's the loudest you guys have been all morning. All right. <laughs> but because they were the name sponsor of this stadium, uh, we, had, we had a corporate box and I could just walk in and do whatever I wanted, right? Because my dad was, was, uh, he, was he was the corporate secretary, if that's like a particular position anyway. And there was a, there was a music festival that happened um, at this particular stadium. And because of who my father was, I had backstage passes to just go. I had a full drinks fridge of Powerades and Red Bulls and I'm just I'm, I'm cracking these, I'm walking backstage, I'm talking to artists, not because of anything to do with me, but because my dad had authority. And you need to remember, your dad's got some authority in this world. And when some things start to, to try to come against you, <laughs> hang on, uh, my dad, do you know who my dad is you better back down devil because you've already been defeated you like this little thing under my foot you better back down I'll call my dad I'll call the angels I'll get Gabriel I got speed dial two dad's one Gabriel's two We never graduate from being a son or a daughter, no matter how old you are. I love our beautiful church community. I love that. We have multiple generations. You'll know what unites us. It's not necessarily age. It's that all of us are still sons and daughters. You can be in your 70s, in your 80s. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. You can be 13 14, you are still a son or a daughter. You sit in the same space in God's family. You know, Paul doesn't, he doesn't just say that you've been adopted, right? Chosen, desired, which are mind-blowing concepts, and we let them permeate to the core of our identity that you were chosen by God. He wanted you. He desired you. In fact, he pursued you because he didn't want you to be lost. Paul finishes that scripture by saying that you are an heir. You're an heir. And we don't really understand that sometimes, right? Like the closest any of us really got to the application of heir is we all sat and watched King Charles' coronation. And we're like, oh, that's, he's the heir coming into like, now it's all coming to fulfilment. But do you know what it means for you to be an heir in the kingdom of heaven? You know, when I think about my kids, they are heirs to everything that I will accomplish and accumulate in this life. I'm sure many of you, you've taken the time, written out a will. I remember when Rachel and I moved overseas, we thought, you know, like, we should make sure we've got stuff in place in case anything happens. We didn't have kids at the time, but... They've been written in later, but everything that we accumulate, everything that we accomplish and therefore establish in this life will be theirs. Not just will be, but because they are in our family, they exist every moment of their lives in the experience of the benefits of of all that we are accomplishing, all that we are accumulating and all that we are establishing right now in the present. And so for us as heirs to the kingdom of heaven, we have to ask ourselves, what has Christ Jesus already accomplished for us? Because right now we live in the benefit of it. Yes, one day we might, ex- we might experience a fullness that we won't hear, but right now we live in the benefit of all that has been accomplished and established over our lives. And I love this. I love this in Luke 15, 31. If you know uh, Luke 15, it's a the, it's the, it's the place where Jesus tells three stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And he makes this statement to, to not the lost son, but the son who, is, who has remained. And he says it because the son doesn't get it. He doesn't realise what he gets because of who he is. (laughs) And I want you to realise this morning what you get because of who you are. He says this, Luke 15, 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Well, that's that's flipping the script because I thought God was always with me. But maybe because he's always with me, I'm always with him. And everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You consider for a moment what that encompasses. Every single thing that God the Father has, everything that he has established everything that he has accomplished is yours for to live in the benefit of right now i've written here if it's of his kingdom it's yours you know if we live with a faulty mindset that approaches fathering or or, or parenting, if we live with a faulty mindset that approaches that, like going from a boy to a man, that we should grow beyond being a son, we will limit receiving all that we can from our Father. And to realize that as heirs, we have access to everything of the kingdom we have to make sure we aren't living this life having shut ourselves off from being a son or a daughter because that, that's the only way that you limit yourself from accessing everything of the father is that you're the one that goes oh I'm I'm too old to be that now. I'm too mature to be that now. So I'm gonna just take things from here, God. (laughs) I I was your son and that was kind of good when I was young, that made sense. But now that I'm old, you know, I, I probably got it from here. I'm my own man. We never graduate being a son. And I wanna land this today by saying that you can't give where you've got a deficit. So this is really great theology, if you will. Oh good, I'm I'm an heir, fantastic. But you wanna know where this starts to become really, really applicable in our lives is when we realize that in the physical space of living, in parenting, or if you don't have children, just, just in living this life that we carry within us deficit. I have a limit to my patience. I have a limit to my joy where it runs out. And if I want to contribute these things into the lives of those around me, If I want to contribute these things into the lives of my children, I have to understand that I can't give where I have a deficit. It could be in wisdom. It could be in character. This morning, you might be sitting there feeling as though you have a deficit in love. You don't feel loved. Maybe you don't feel love for bull and you know you struggle to pour out unconditional love on those around you or well, maybe it's hope maybe you have a deficit in hope maybe you have a deficit in joy or peace you just you just can't seem to bring peace into your family because you're you're all anxious or Or or, or depressed or and I'm not limiting those things at all they're they're incredibly significant in our society but but they're, they're also a lack of peace in our lives maybe you have a deficit of purpose maybe you're trying to raise your kids to give them a purpose in their life but you don't really feel like you have a purpose you don't have a vision for your life. You don't know what God's called you to. You don't know what you're supposed to be putting your time and energy to in this life. And and, and so you feel like you're just stagnant and you have a deficit of purpose. You can't give where you've got a deficit. Maybe it's in acceptance. Maybe you were rejected at different times in your life and so now you have such a deficit in the space of acceptance that you feel so unable to accept others the way they are. The moment they deviate out from the narrow capacity you have to accept others, you start pushing them away. Maybe you have a deficit in forgiveness, grace, wisdom. I want to remind you that the goal is to be a man or a woman who embraces being a son or a daughter? Because in that embrace, we step into a position where we are able to receive all that we lack. Because everything of the kingdom is made available to us. Everything fullness of joy and peace the fullness of wisdom the capacity for love patience it's available it's available to you today